You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Tuesday? Pull back the curtain. We're actually recording this Monday night, so it comes to you early, early on Tuesday. Um, a couple programming notes before I introduce my guests, or reintroduce our guests, a little teaser there. Um, I've told you this before, but it does us a lot of, lot more than you would think if when you get in your car to tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On NFL, that would be very helpful. In yesterday's show, I opened by saying, hey, I'm going on vacation, thir- you know, leaving on Friday morning. I'm not going to record anything that next week. It happens every year. But our founder, David Locke, had a great idea, and instead of the, the podcast going dormant all next week, we're just going to have different hosts from all over the networks taking it, taking it one episode at a time, just doing a shot. So next week's going to be kind of fun. I urge you to check that out while I am relaxing with the fam. But as I mentioned, we do have a guest today. He was on last week talking running backs. It's Jay Moyer. Jay, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited to talk some ball. Absolutely. Yeah, last week was a lot of fun. Uh, people raved about it. If you didn't listen to that show about running games, backfields, running backs, etc. I urge you to late last week. And let's just dig right in and get down to business, man. Uh, The Green Bay Packers. I am a big Aaron Jones believer. I think he has the ability to be an every down player, to get a large workload. I don't know if he's a, you know, true workhorse just from a, a stamina durability standpoint and whatnot. I don't think Jamal Williams is very impressive, frankly, and it wouldn't shock me if Dexter Williams passed him on the depth chart at some point. What are your thoughts in Green Bay with these guys and a new coach obviously showing up too and Matt LaFleur? Uh, Yeah, great job running down the depth chart there. Uh, Matt LaFleur obviously comes from, you know, the Shanahan wide zone, maybe not obviously, but he comes from the Shanahan wide zone scheme, Mm -hmm. which we talked about last week, like the, you know, the Bears doing a dance out in the open field. <laughs> right. Synchronized swimming. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the running backs that really do well, at least historically in that scheme, are the ones who are one-cut explosive runners. You think about guys like Todd Gurley with Sean McVay, uh, David Johnson, the success he had back in 2016. You know, those really uh, physically explosive, fast, good cutback runners. Uh, I'm, I'm also a big fan of Aaron Jones. Uh, but I think his strengths are more in line with someone who does a really good job running between the tackles, despite his size. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not an extremely big running back, but he has great vision, great processing. He has very efficient footwork. And he's one of those guys that if, if you know, the play is blocked for three yards, he'll get you five. He's, he's very quickly able to get his feet going, dive forward, lunge forward, and really consistently pick up an extra yard or two. And so... You know, those, those strengths are important strengths, but he, he's not a physical specimen in terms of his explosion. So I do wonder how the fit will be with the wide zone. Um, but I think he'll be an effective back in whatever system he's in because, you know, like I said, I think his vision is processing and the way he, he attacks the position are really outstanding. Do you agree um, with Real quick, down yeah, to him. Did you agree with me that he does a nice job of – not giving the tackler a lot to hit, you know, like it doesn't take a lot of huge direct hits, kind of slithers off tackles a little bit. And I also think he's got a chance to develop into a, a really good receiver if we can trust him in protection too. 
Yeah, I think that he is like a lot of backs who are drafted late but have success. He really does a lot of the uh, sort of intuitive, you know, harder things to coach and learn. He does a lot of those things well. So reduce the shoulder, give the tackle tackler a, uh, a you know a reduced angle, bounce off tacklers, even though he's not necessarily big or powerful, uh, and all those things contribute to that that overall you know results oriented quality that I said where he'll pick up a yard or two or three or four more than what most running backs would get pretty consistently on a given play. Um, what do you think of the Williamses? Yeah. So I I'm totally on board with how you view Jamal, you know, Jamal Williams does a lot of things. Well, he's very reliable in terms of pass blocking. He can run decent routes as a receiving back out of the backfield. But the thing that he really lacks when I watch him is explosion. Uh, and you know, it limits him and also his, his, uh, his footwork efficiency and vision sort of inhibit his, uh, you know, performing without having great explosion. And so he, I don't think that he's really a good fit for a wide zone scheme at all. Um, you know, I think he struggles running the ball in general, but a wide zone sort of accentuates his, his biggest weaknesses as a running back. Whereas Dexter Williams really, if you were to, you know, nail down his strengths actually apply very well to wide zone. He's more of a one cut runner. Uh, he can get up field quickly. He does have pretty decent explosiveness. So I think Jones will be the primary back, but if anything were to happen to him or if they want to work in someone as a change of pace, I would not be surprised at all if Dexter Williams is the number two back there. Yeah, it's well said. Like Jamal Williams, I'm sure coaches like him because he does what he's told. And like you said, he is good in protection. There is some reliability. Stays square, you know, I mean, but the more I think about him with this scheme, like you mentioned, he may not even make the team. Like, he may be one of those surprise cuts where people go, wow, you know, I didn't think, you know, just because he doesn't fit that well. Yeah, and, you know, when new coaches come in, they'll often look to replace guys with mm-hmm. their own guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if something like – I mean, I would be surprised, but, you know, it wouldn't be totally out of left field if something like that were to happen. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, LaFleur – I thought the Titans were interesting last year because – it certainly seemed like, and I don't know if this comes from LaFleur or from Vrabel, but in neutral situations, um, late in games, they really became running back reliant. And, I, and Mariota wasn't right, and I think they identified that Henry is our best option to win and shorten the game and do those type of things. I don't know that we'll see that in Green Bay, though. Well, just the personnel difference yeah. is profound in terms of the quarterback. You know, I, I assume that they'll build their offense really around Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, the wide zone will be a staple of their running game, which is a very good offense if you're if you're wanting to set up, you know, play action, bootlegs, stuff that Aaron Rodgers hasn't necessarily done a ton of from under center, but is very you know has the skill set to be very good at in terms of having excellent footwork. He's very athletic. He can make throws from different arm angles. So I would think, you know, there's been some hubbub in the media about Rodgers not being receptive to the scheme that LaFleur is bringing in. But I think if he if he accepts it and he, you know, takes on that scheme, it's really something that fits his strengths really well. So, I mean, I would think that he would he would have great success in LaFleur's scheme. And I agree with you. I think they'll be a little more pass heavy than what we saw in Tennessee. And and I've heard all that about Rodgers, fine. And it certainly is an old dog, you know, learning new tricks and 
Uh, is LaFleur the most established guy to put his foot down and set him straight when I'm probably not? But I also have to think Rodgers had some input on this too. I mean, I'm sure he didn't do the hiring, but I always talk about it. Like, I'm sure he watched game tape of the Rams and thought, wow, if someone schemed me up like that, imagine what I could do. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that, you know, there were rumblings about being unhappy with the scheme and the creativity under the previous regime. So it would be sort of counterintuitive to then bring in a new approach and resist those changes. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if all of the, the buzz in the media has much to do about nothing mm-hmm. and that he you know takes on the scheme very well and that they have great success offensively in Green Bay. Yeah, I think it's very possible, but he does have to embrace it. Um, folks, I've told you many times about Blue Chew. If you're interested in increasing your performance and get that extra confidence, Blue Chew is exactly what you need to look into. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you knew they work. Take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. A pill never really made a lot of sense to me, to be very honest. Uh, Now, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any dude that wants the extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. They're also made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On, all one word. All you do is pay the 5 bucks shipping, but you get much more in return than $5 worth of Blue Chew. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is a better, cheaper, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring our podcast. So let's stick in the NFC North and talk the Bears. And they move on from Howard, who only one year left on his deal, but I thought he was a very accomplished zone runner, not much of a receiver, just a dump-off type of dude. Cohen, obviously, is phenomenal in that regard, but how many times can you give him the ball to keep him fresh throughout the year? So they draft Montgomery, a really good contact balance player. But I also think you can't forget about Mike Davis. Mike Davis was a pretty accomplished guy before injuries, and he's flat at college, and then flashed quite a bit in the pros. I think he may be somewhat of a sleeper. Yeah, you and I are reading this backfield the same way, actually. Really? And I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's the it's the way most people are seeing. I think commonly or the common conception is that David Montgomery is going to be the workhorse with uh, obviously Tariq Cohen playing, you know, sort of a gadget satellite back getting some carries uh, role. But I do think Mike Davis will fit into the, the equation quite prominently. Um, Matt Nagy up in Chicago, you know, we, they, they traded Jordan Howard and we talked about the Eagles last week. It's funny because Nagy and Peterson both come from the same coaching tree but where Nagy likes to have a running back, you know, that's very much in a, in a specific mold. You look at Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. You look at Mike Davis and David Montgomery. These are all, you know, 220-pound-plus backs, very thickly built. Low to the ground. Are, yeah. Yeah, uh, very versatile in terms of being able to, you know, excel between the tackles, but also running routes out of the backfield, catching the ball, working downfield. Um, and, you know, really – value that versatility, which is why they moved on from Jordan Howard, whereas Doug Peterson likes to have the three different backs who can all do different things. Um, 
Mike Davis in Seattle really flourished last year after, as you said, dealing with injuries. Uh, you know, they ran a lot of inside zone and the duo concepts, which are the same strategies for a running back, same, you know, scheme rules essentially for running backs where they're reading the linebacker and finding a hole between the tackles. He's really, really efficient with his footwork. He has really good vision. He's able to manipulate linebackers based on the direction of his hips and his footwork. And then, uh, you know, really has excellent balance when he cuts and can accelerate a field very quickly. I posted a clip of him on uh, my Twitter feed where he makes sort of successive cutbacks on a, a inside duo running play for a 17-yard touchdown. And it's really uh, outstanding stuff from the running back position. Uh, so I... You know, I think his strengths are somewhat Montgomery's weaknesses. Montgomery has that same agility, that same contact balance, that same multidimensional skill set. But I think he needs to refine not necessarily his vision, but his discipline. He'll often, you know, take bounce bounce outs that may not be how the coach would draw it up. And that'll work in the Big Ten. But in the NFL, with the defenders being much faster, much like we saw with Saquon Barkley last year, you know, who's on a whole nother tier of athleticism. There are a lot of negative plays. And when Montgomery's positive plays are a 15-yard gain, whereas you know Saquon's positive plays are a 70-yard touchdown, I think it'll be a little bit more detrimental to his getting playing time early on. So I wouldn't be surprised if Davis, you know, in, in terms of the three-down back, sort of leads that backfield at least early in the season. And then you have Cohen who will get some carries, but it's such a dynamic weapon in terms of stretching defenses horizontally that I, I don't think that they'll want to overload him with carries between the tackles, but he'll still have a very profound effect on the effectiveness of their offense. Yeah, it's really well said. And I like the way you talked about Davis in particular, it, it wouldn't break my heart to see Cohen on the field with Davis or Montgomery, even use him as your Tyreek Hill jet sweep guy, pre-snap motion, try to get him on a linebacker, get people to freeze almost use him as a gadget player with another one of these big backs. And it sounds like you listened or you watched a fair amount of Montgomery. And just two notes I wanted to say about him, because I don't want to dismiss him. I do think he's a good prospect. He, he got a lot of yardage on his own. I mean, to say the least. I mean, that was a bad line and dragging guys, yards after contact. He excelled in those areas. Yeah, 100%. He has really, really elite contact balance and agility. And like I said, you know, multidimensional skill set catches the ball well. Many college offenses don't have their running backs run a lot of downfield routes, so it's mm. really hard to assess how he'll be as a downfield receiver. But, you know, he, he catches the ball comfortably. So it seems that his skill set would lend himself very well to what Nagy's looking for. And I think that – I don't think his vision is bad. I just think that he – needs to improve his discipline within the scheme and that is a much easier fix than not being able to identify you know the hole or the linebacker in the first place so i mean i, I do think that once he you know gets a little bit more devoted to getting upfield rather than trying the high risk plays that he will be a very effective running back in the nfl and you know davis is on a short-term deal so i would expect montgomery to eventually get the lion's share of the work in the backfield whether it's this year or next year but i i do think he brings a lot of value as a prospect yeah, yeah i do too it just may be longer until he takes over and davis might hold down the fort very ably um the dolphins are next on the list and for you guys that are listening for fantasy reasons, I don't think many people are saying, boy, the Dolphins are going to put up tons of points this year. And I think rightfully so, 
most people look at them as the favorite to get the first overall pick. And frankly, I think they might have the worst line in the league and maybe need three or four new starters up front. But you also need to remember that this is the South Beach Patriots. And I don't know if he can do it or not, but if Drake can be a James White but with more every down capabilities, I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah. You know, people are very interested in the Miami backfield based on conversations I've had. And it's, it's counterintuitive because as you mentioned, I don't think anyone expects them to be up there with the saints or the chiefs in terms of points scored this year. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, you know, these running backs are going later on in fantasy drafts. So there's a potential for tremendous value. If Kenyon Drake or Kalen Bellage ended up, being an every down back and gets a lot of volume and I've studied this backfield quite a bit um, from a talent perspective I don't think Kalen Bellage is really ready to challenge Kenyon Drake um, you know Drake has shortcomings in terms of his vision and his processing running between the tackles but really is dynamic in the open field he has this this amazing ability to change direction while running full speed even you know 90 he'll make a 90 degree cut running full speed in two cuts and it doesn't look that crazy of a cut because he's not doing a crazy you know jump cut like the sharp angle but he's just changing direction and almost accelerating through that change of direction that you'll see him outrunning tackling angles all the time and you know this really showed up on the miami miracle where they beat the patriots on that you know hook and lateral type of play Real quick on that, I often describe that on the show as like driving a Lamborghini through a, a, a neighborhood where there's a lot of stop signs and stuff, but not having to stop or use the brakes, you know, like just make that right turn. I mean, Drake has some of that, you know, that acceleration. And then when you give him the long road, he just runs away from everybody. Yeah. And then you add on top of that, you know, really good contact balance when he's getting hit from the side, you'll see him shed tacklers mm-hmm. all the time. And then. You already mentioned, uh, you know, fitting him into a James White role. He's actually a very intuitive receiver. When I when I say intuitive, I mean he does a lot of the little things well that are hard to teach. So you know he'll run a, a flat route, you know, five yards, catch the ball, but instead of going straight towards the sideline and catching the ball and getting tackled right away, he'll curl back towards the ball to create some separation between himself and the defender. And it gives him just that split second he needs to, you know, cut back or dip his shoulder, break a tackle. And he'll very, very frequently break, make the first man miss in the in the receiving game. And when you can do that out on the perimeter and you make that first tackler miss, there's often quite a bit of space between the next tackler. So you'll pick up these big chunk plays. And so I was sort of disappointed in the way that he was used last year after really showing some promise at the end of 2017 because I, I felt like there was a lot of focus on his shortcomings as a runner, which I, I detailed uh, you know, a little, a little bit ago. But if you really apply him in ways that are consistent with his strength, so getting him the ball in space, you know, running him off tackle, running him outside, he can be a really dynamic, really effective playmaker. It's well said. And I often say that if I'm going to rebuild a football team, probably the last piece that I'll invest in is a running back. So maybe Miami's thinking the same and just saying, all right, we'll live with these dudes while we draft linemen over the next couple of years and find our quarterback, and then we'll go get a, or our true bell cow two, three years from now. But if you look at it through a, a Patriots lens, I also think that 
kind of like you said, they might be pleasantly surprised with Jay, with Drake. But I also look at Balage and think, he's not Corey Dillon. He's not Ridley. He's not Blunt even. I mean, the hammer. I, I just think he's a big, good-looking athlete that runs fast, but is the Tarzan that plays like Jane. Oh, yeah. I mean, I see the same things. Uh, he's big and he's fast, but he doesn't play with any power really at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a play where he runs up the middle. There's a, a wide lane, gains about 15 yards, and he's one-on-one with a safety in the open field and really ends up going head up with a safety who's probably he has about 20 or 30 pounds on. And it's a stalemate in the open field. And really the defender can't really come in to trying to deliver a big hit because they have to be ready for a cut or, you know, it's an open field tackling situation. And so when a big running back gets stifled like that in a a one-on-one head-on collision, it's really startling to watch. And this really translates to his work between the tackles. I actually charted all of his touches from last year and he was tackled by the first guy on 43 of his 45 touches really wow uh, yeah I mean, so as big know, and strong as he is that's really unacceptable yeah and, and i i think that the problem that i noticed consistently is he would stop his feet on contact mm-hmm. and often he would actually jump backwards when he when he's contacted that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so Ooh. you know that that weakness is it really sticks out in the nfl and uh you know that weakness is one of Kenyon Drake's strengths. So I think it'll be really hard unless he shows dramatic improvement to, to challenge Kenyon Drake. One interesting thing from a scheme perspective, we talked about the Patriots, you know, the hallmark of the Patriots over the past several years has been really tailoring their scheme to their athletes strengths. And so they'll get great production from imperfect players. Like James White is not, you know, a well-rounded running back by any means. Uh, especially when you talk about running between the tackles, but he's been a very, very effective player with them because they only really ask him to do what he does well. Right. And, and, and as I mentioned with Drake, he's a guy that has great strengths but has some weaknesses. So if you just ask him to do what he do, does well, I think he could have great success. And pairing him with that philosophy with Chad O'Shea and a head coach who's the offensive coordinator and head coach Brian Flores, both from the Patriots, is really exciting. Uh, actually charted Drake's carries last year, and he averaged you know, six yards a carry on gap run plays, which are those run plays that use blocking angles to say, okay, you're running here between the guard and the tackle rather than the zone plays that I described earlier where you're running to an area and the running back has to find the hole. Whereas he averaged 3.9 yards per carry on those zone plays, but he was getting you know, almost 75% of his carries were inside zone, inside duo runs where it's really not his strength at all. And, you know, he's gotten better at it through his career. But if they use him like they did with Sonny Michelle, where the Patriots ran a ton of gap blocking concepts like power, counter, traps, uh, Drake could really thrive. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do like him. I think he, he could produce more than people think this year. Um, quick break here, and then I want to talk Chiefs in a moment. All right, we're back. And I think the Chiefs are interesting because. From a fantasy lens, everyone's super excited about Damian Williams. And in his Miami Dolphin days, I often said, hey, this Williams guy is a pretty good player. He needs to get a shot. But now I feel like I'm bashing him because everyone's talking about him like he's going to lead the league in rushing. Did you see what he did those last couple weeks? And I look at him and think, he's a backup. He's fine. He came in with fresh legs. We see guys like this every year. 
The scheme helped him dramatically. He wasn't nearly as impressive as a player to me as Kareem Hunt. And to take it a step further, I know he's done nothing since he left the Niners, but I've kind of always been a Hyde believer. I don't know that this is a slam dunk. Damian Williams is going to dominate the touches on the scene. Well, it seems to be a consistent theme that it's almost like you're reading my thoughts. <laughs> oh, really? I thought for sure you'd be like, boy, Hyde stinks. No one likes Hyde but me, I feel like. Well, I mean, at least at least in terms of your take on Damian Williams. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, we see very frequently at the end of the year a, a guy with fresh legs come in, really do well, uh, a lot of hype going into the next season, and then there's disappointment. Uh, Damian Williams, and, you know, there's room for middle ground. It, it can't just – it doesn't have to be a, this guy's good or this guy's no good. Mm-hmm. He – you know, he has some strengths. He's another guy who has great balance, great agility. Uh, he has great peripheral vision. So you'll see tacklers coming in from the side that you really would think he has no way to know are there, and he'll make this cut at the last second to avoid them. Uh, and, you know, he really put this on display last year with the Chiefs. There was a run down in the red zone against the Colts where he was weaving in and out of tacklers. I think it was like a 10-yard touchdown run. Really impressive stuff. But he also has his weaknesses. And, you know, on the Chiefs, you mentioned they have this high-powered offense. The defenses are stretched. There are these big holes. Sometimes you wish that he would just go. And he often stutters and wastes a lot of steps in the backfield. And a play where if, you know, he had just sprinted straight ahead, he would have probably picked up 15 yards. You know, he'll end up getting eight yards or something like that. And so the Chiefs offense is really conducive to running back production. And I think that's why it's so exciting to people, because I think you could really stick most NFL running backs back there and they would produce numbers uh, just because teams are so worried about Mahomes. And, you know, if Tyreek Hill's on the field, that Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. So defenses are really, really stretched on the back end. And so a lot of the excitement from the fantasy perspective is this guy could come in and score a lot of touchdowns, put up a lot of points. But then you got to worry about, you know, the job security, because like I said, I think a lot of guys could do that. And so if he is, you know, not operating at at efficiency that Andy Reid likes or he's missing assignments or, you know, dealing with injuries as he's this is the first time he'll have been a featured back, you know, which is what their coaches have been saying so far this offseason. Uh, you know, from week one, and that run at that position takes a lot of punishment. You know, will he falter along the way? I don't think that he's irreplaceable in terms of his skill set. Carlos Hyde is interesting because I've also been a fan of Hyde, especially on the 49ers. Uh, you know, I think that he does a great job getting upfield, very efficient in his footwork, has a little more burst than people give him credit for. But I watched him last year at the end of the season with Jacksonville, and I don't know if he was disengaged um, because he's unhappy with the situation or if he was dealing with injuries, but he. He looked like he had lost a decent amount of the burst that I had seen with him in San Francisco. But if he can regain that with his efficient running style in Kansas City, I could see him having great success back there. You know, they also drafted in the late rounds Darwin Thompson, uh, you know, a small school guy who really parallels some of the the running backs Andy Reid has had success with in the past. When you think about Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles who are, you know, smaller running backs, who are explosive accelerators, uh, you know, good top-end speed, really dynamic and open space. And so if either of those first two guys are having trouble, I wouldn't be surprised if Darwin Thompson gets in the mix. And like I said, you know, in this offense, pretty much anyone who's back there is going to have a lot of opportunity to produce a lot of yards and a lot of points. Absolutely. And you mentioned Reed, you mentioned Charles, you mentioned Westbrook in his past 
And yeah, he did dedicate himself to those guys, and he did the Kareem Hunt in his rookie year. But Andy Reid's been coaching a long time, and he was reluctant to do so with those guys, and historically has been a committee coach. And with all respect to Damian Williams, you know, Brian Westbrook and Jamal Charles are, they're in the hall of very good. You know, like they're awfully good players. They're Pro Bowl type players. So that's why, you know, I'm scooping up Hyde left and right. But kind of like you mentioned, the the Matt Waldron favorite, uh, Darwin Thompson, to me, he might be the guy that flourishes here. Like you said, he's more the mold than the other two guys, the bigger guys. He may end up being the best receiver of the bunch. He's certainly a name to know, especially with the people around him. Yeah, and I don't want to give the impression that I think that he's on the level of Jamal Charles or, or Brian Westbrook, mm-hmm. who, like you said, are both. You know, they may not make the Hall of Fame, but Jamal Charles is one of the elite talents to ever play the position, and Westbrook is right up there with him. Um, but, you know, he, he, he fits that mold in just being a little more dynamic in space than, and a little, a little bit more of a rapid accelerator. Yeah. And when you, when you add that element from the backfield to this offense, I think it could potentially take them to new heights. Um, but, you know, it's a long way to go from a six-round – I think he's six-round pick. Six-round pick to a starter in the NFL in terms of learning the scheme, being able to pick up your pass-blocking responsibilities – uh, you know, dealing with the physical punishment, the physical toll of playing the NFL. So there are a lot of things that have to go right. But I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up, by the end of the season, having weeks where he's really the guy who's leading that backfield. Yeah, I mean, it might take a while, but I think he could come to the top. And I don't think by any means is it a slam dunk that Damian Williams is a pro bowler this year. And uh, he would frighten me from a fantasy perspective. But I do see the allure, but not for me. Somebody else can draft him. Uh, Jay, this yeah, is I mean, really, just, go ahead, just go ahead. In, yeah, just from a fantasy perspective, you know, you have to put a, a pretty big investment in him with an early pick. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of factors that could uh, get in the way of consistent production like we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, this was a blast, dude. I appreciate the last two visits. Uh, we had a couple other t- teams on the on the list, Tampa, Denver, Detroit. We did not get to them. Uh, maybe when I return from vacation, I'll give you a buzz and we can do it again. This was a blast. Please tell everyone where they can find you, too. Hey, uh, Matt, thanks for having me. Anytime you want to chat, I'm happy to talk football. Um, you can find me if you're interested in some of my work. I do a lot of video breakdowns, a lot of video analysis. that will help illustrate some of these run concepts that we talked about. Uh, and also other positions, too, you know, quarterback, receiver, tight end. Focus my stuff on skill talent uh, so it's more applicable to the fantasy player. But you can find me on uh, Twitter at jmoyerfb. That's the letter J, M-O-Y-E-R-F-B. Um, also you can find me over at, you know, you mentioned Matt Waldman, his site, mattwaldmanrsp.com, uh, do, you know, film breakdowns in article format there. So Great again, stuff. thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed these last two episodes we've chatted and getting to know you a little bit too. Uh, folks, that's a wrap over and out.